energy. So this guy in the fantasy baseball chat is just ripping me. He's calling me names for how I handled my team. Buddy, you had 20 weeks for your own team to play better. Don't be mad at me. The passion. Mac Jones is fighting not just for his Patriots job, but he very well may be fighting for his NFL future. The opinions on all your favorite teams. For the Red Sox, it can't always be about next year. It can't always be about down the road. Where's the team that battles for now? This is the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. What's up, everybody? It's been so long since I spoke to you. Happy Friday here on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. This is both a happy day and a sad day. It's a happy day because it's the final day of Red Sox season, and that means that starting Monday, I'm here, Danny's here for a full 90 minutes most days here on WDEV, right? It's been six and a half months since we got a chance to speak to you every single day for 90 minutes. We are pumped about that. There's great sports talk to be had out there. We no longer have to leave meat on the bones. We can bring it to you every single day for 90 minutes. We will have some truncated shows because of Norwich hockey and high school basketball, but they don't truncate us that much, in the, especially in the way the Red Sox do. So it's a happy day. This is the last day that we're impacted, especially if the Red Sox aren't going to the playoffs. We might as well get to our full shows as early as we can. It's also a sad day for me. Because it's the last day of Red Sox that at least for us here on the air during the week on DEV. I love baseball. I love Red Sox baseball. I want the Red Sox to be playing in October. And as happy as I am to be able to speak to you every day for 90 minutes, I'm disappointed that we're not going to get a chance to be speaking about the Red Sox in a fun World Series chasing way into October. That's the standard they have set. That's the standard they want to get back to. That's what they're supposed to be chasing. I hope that this offseason, they remember that. And I hope that they give us an offseason full of moves to talk about, an offseason full of intrigue to talk about. They're going to be hiring a new chief baseball officer or a new GM, a new guy in charge, and they're going to need to make some serious moves on this team. Because this Red Sox team, look, they've wilted down the stretch a lot of teams wilt down the stretch at the end when there's nothing to play for. I don't necessarily begrudge them for losing some of the games that they've lost. Once you're out of it, things happen differently, right? Alex Cora is playing more of the kids. You don't handle the bullpen the way you would have. Guys go on the injured list maybe when they wouldn't need to. You're trying a different lineup combination. So, yeah, they're going to finish here with a whimper in 2023. I don't necessarily hold that against them. I don't know if it makes a big difference if they had won 77 games or if they had won 80 games or 82 games. Bottom line is they're not going to the playoffs. I hope they give us something substantive to talk about in the offseason because you deserve it and I deserve it as fans. Frankly, we, we, we deserve it. So I'm happy we'll be here for a full 90 minutes beginning Monday. I'm disappointed that we won't be covering more of a Red Sox playoff run, and we're going to have to kind of follow things from afar. We're still going to have Buster on. We're still going to have Tom Karen on. We're still going to talk baseball. We are going to cover every ounce of this Red Sox offseason. But for all intents and purposes, our Red Sox season ends today. Their season ends on Sunday, but our Red Sox season ends today, and that is always a disappointment to me. I mean, I'm trying to think, you know, seven years in Vermont, I think the Red Sox have been in the playoffs four times, right? 2016, I think they went out with a whimper, losing to Cleveland in the first round. That was the last year of David Ortiz. 2017, they lose to the Astros. That's the sign-stealing year. 
Um, I want to say that was the ALCS, but don't quote me on that. Uh, it could have been the division series, but it definitely was the ALCS. Maybe I think it was the division series. Game five. I think the Red Sox lost three games to one. As I recall, Rafael Devers had a inside the park home run in game three in that one, and the one game the Red Sox won. I think it was the division series. 2018, they win the World Series. 2019, they missed the playoffs. 2020, they missed the playoffs. 2022, they missed the playoffs. 2023, they missed them. So they've been in the playoffs. So I guess, what is this now? I don't even know. Four of eight years. Nonetheless, the Red Sox, I'm used to them playing meaningful games in October and meaningful games on the stretch. I mean, this hasn't happened this year. That's disappointing. Phil Perry is going to be with us from NBC Sports Boston here in just a couple of minutes. We have a short show today. We're only up until 6 o'clock. We'll give you the Red Sox lineups against the Baltimore Orioles as well. I'm here. Danny's here. Danny, let's go. Five, four, three. Two, one. And here we go. The opening thoughts on the Brady Farkas Show are brought to you by Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber, Vermont's most complete locally owned home center with locations in Enosburg, Derby, Middlesex, St. Albans, and at Swanton Lumber. They're online at sticksandstuff.com. New location in Rouse's Point as well. You can get in on the text line 802-585-3026. Danny, I've long said that Colin Cowherd is my favorite sports radio host. I would consider him to be my sports radio role model. You don't have to like necessarily what Colin says, but I love the way Colin delivers it. I think he's engaging. I think he's smart. I think he makes me think. As much as I don't love the proliferation of gambling in, in every conversation about sports, Colin was the first guy I really knew to embrace gambling. He was very much at the cutting edge of it. So I think Colin is an innovator, and I really do look up to him in a lot of ways. Yesterday, I think he committed – Sports radio malpractice, okay? Colin was very much in the wrong yesterday as far as I'm concerned. Colin was talking with Jason McIntyre, who's kind of his his version of Danny, right? His producer, his pseudo co-host, and they were talking on the air. And this audio quality is not great, so Danny, you're going to have to lift it up. You're going to have to probably bump up the volume a bit. But Colin was talking to Jason McIntyre about Mac Jones and said this. I, I tend to think New England, we're hearing some stuff on Mac Jones, and Jay Mac and I are not going to talk about it on the air because uh, we don't want to yet. We're hearing things that aren't, you just alluded to it. We're not going to get into the specifics. We're just hearing stuff that isn't great. Is that fair? Don't, don't put me on camera for that. Let, let's, let's change topics. Let's <laughs> get Packers Lions. Okay. So Colin says, we're hearing things on Mac Jones. We're not going to talk about them. Uh, we're hearing things. They're not great, but we're not going to talk about them. We don't want to. And then his co-host won't go on camera because they do the TV show and says, let's move on. That's journalistic malpractice as far as I'm concerned. That's sports radio malpractice. Because I don't know what Colin's referring to, but I do know this, that when I heard that, now my imagination is running wild. And that's not a fair position to put the public in, and it's not a fair position to put the Patriots in or to put Mac in. We talk about Mac putting unnecessary distractions on the Patriots. This is now a distraction as far as I'm concerned as well. And if Colin's going to put something out there that he knows he better be willing to say it on the air, and if he's not positive about it, then he better not bring it to light. That's how I consider this. Okay, 
I don't know what he's talking to. But Colin leads me to believe there that it's something very serious. And I'm going to ask Phil about this momentarily when Phil comes on and see what he knows. He's going to know better than me, and he's probably going to have an idea of what Colin's talking about. But I don't like that. If there's some kind of bombshell report coming, like my my mind is now racing as to what it could be. And if it ends up being nothing, then Colin has gotten us all into a fervor over nothing. I, I, I don't know what's going on here, but I know that that is not way they – that, that's the equivalent of what you had in fourth grade. I know something you don't know, and then we're all wondering what it is. And everybody in the school is gossiping about what it could be until Colin eventually tells us. This is not the right way to handle things. If it's something big, then – why are the Patriots playing Mac? If it's something big, why does nobody else have it? If it's nothing, why is Colin leading us to believe that it's something? I don't know the answer to this, but I know that that's not the way to handle it. I don't do a lot of hardcore journalism, right? Like, I don't, I don't do a lot of hardcore journalism. Full disclosure, I don't do a lot of digging for scoops. There are times when a scoop will find me, but I don't go looking for it a lot. If I was doing real digging on things, I wouldn't go forward with something until I had a good idea that it was true and that I was willing to say it on air. If I was just kind of like, okay, I'm hearing something, but I'm not really sure if it's true and it hasn't been corroborated and I don't quite know yet, I, I mean, you can't run with that because now all of us are thinking, what happened to Mac? What did Mac do? What has Mac done? Is this a legal issue? Is this a league-wide issue? Is it an issue with Belichick? Is it an issue with his teammates? Is it something in Mac's personal life? I don't know. But Colin says we're hearing things on Mac, and they're not great. Okay? Is that fair to say? We're hearing things on Mac. They're not good. Are the Patriots looking to move on from Mac? Are they trying to trade Mac? As we get towards the trade deadline, are they looking to move on from him? I don't know. But that's the problem. Colin has told us this little snippet of, I know something you don't know, and now we have no idea. And Mac has become in the crosshairs. And if it's fair, then Mac is playing under a, if it's true, I should say, Mac is playing under a black cloud this weekend. And if there's nothing really there, then Colin's gotten us all worked up for no reason. I love Colin. I think he's great at what he does. I do not think that that's great. And the fact that his cohort wouldn't talk about it, leads me to believe that he didn't appreciate how Colin handled that. I, I don't know. I don't have any idea. Let's go out to a guy who have who, who probably has an idea, and that's our Patriots insider Phil Perry over at NBC Sports Boston. Phil is with us every single Friday at this time. Patriots getting ready for the Cowboys. Oh, yeah, the game as well. Pat's Cowboys coming up Sunday at 425. Phil, thank you for being with us. How are you? Happy Friday, Brady. Doing well. Another rainy day here yeah. in the Boston area, but outside of that, uh, I'm beating. Yeah, we are ready for Patriots football again coming up Sunday at 425. Before we get to some of the on-field stuff regarding week number four, let me talk about some interesting comments that we've been talking about from Colin Cowherd of Fox Sports Radio. Yesterday, he said he's heard some things behind the scenes on Mac Jones, and they're not good. Should I be expecting a Mac Jones bombshell report from you sometime soon, or is this Colin talking out his uh, you-know-what? <laughs> well, I would love for, for Colin to address those comments and be a little bit more specific himself, uh, but I made a few calls, sent a few text messages to try to get to the bottom of, of what he was talking about. So not 
even reaching out to people within the Patriots organization, but reaching out to people who might be familiar with what he was getting at there. And this is not a bombshell. And really sort of finding it hard to believe that they were not willing to talk about it on the air, Brady, because it's something that's been talked about quite a bit, Mm. at least here locally, which is not everyone inside the building loves Mac Jones's attitude. And, you know, whether this is carryover from 2022, where obviously there were on the field and on the sideline disagreements between Mac Jones, very heated disagreements, and the Patriots coaching staff, or if this is new and has continued into this year, that part of it I don't know. But this is not about any sort of incident or any sort of injury, some speculation in Boston today, oh, maybe he's dealing with an injury that we don't know about. You know, it's just disappointing to have to try to get to the bottom of someone else's commentary when it is that vague, because people's imaginations can absolutely run wild with something like that. Is he about to be arrested? Was there some sort of uh, behind-the-scenes event where, you know, there was real, you know, trouble that was, the result of it, I, you know, again, your mind can go in a million different directions when I think the reality of it is the storyline that, that Colin, I think, is, is sort of teasing is a storyline that's been here for a while, which is more attitudinal than anything more grave than that. Phil, we talk about the the Sauce Gardner play from last week. There's the Brian Burns play from a couple of years ago. There's Max Albers on the sideline. There's was he or was he not calling out his teammates and their work ethic after the week two loss against the Dolphins. One of my criticisms of Mac has been that he's supposed to be great up top and great from the shoulders up, but he can come off a little emotional and a little petulant at times. Do you hear that criticism from people in the building? Uh, no, I have, well, emotional for sure. And that really has been a, a part of who Mac Jones is for his entire life, I'm sure, but definitely in the public sphere since he was at Alabama and he got the nickname McEnroe because he really wore his heart on his sleeve and because Nick Saban was very open in his commentary about Mac Jones's body language and how he can tell just by looking at him for five seconds out of the practice field from hundreds of yards away, whether or not he's having a good day or a bad day. And, that will probably, to some degree, Brady, always be a part of his game and a part of who he is. And, you know, for, for better or for worse, it's something he's going to have to cope with. And it's something that he probably would like to tap into occasionally, as any athlete would, in order to help his game. Maybe he feels as though those emotions help him elevate his performance. But when it comes to the Sauce Gardner incident or any of the other incidents that he's been critiqued for over the last few years, you do have to be able to control yourself and you don't want to get to a point where you're putting obviously yourself or your teammates in harm's way because of something that you do on the field in a moment where you have briefly lost your head. And so that that is a part of who he is and that it probably always will be, you know, the other stuff, the, you know, the, the attitude stuff that I've heard is, is, you know, I think last year almost you have to, throw to the side just based on you know the coaching situation was what it was but that didn't thrill a lot of his teammates even though they knew that the situation was messed up and I think some of it you know too is just part of um again that emotional side you know in practice for instance 
I've heard there there are times where you know he he'll look at the defensive sideline and say, hey, what are we doing? We're we're blitzing on every snap here. Is that how we're going to do it today? And you know that kind of thing can happen uh, in the heat of the moment on the practice field. But that that to me is not all that outstanding. You know, you would have heard Tom Brady say those kinds of things on the training camp field all the time uh, back in the day. Now one guy's Tom Brady, one guy's not, and so you know maybe he's getting a little bit more criticism behind the scenes because he's not quite as established as, uh, you know, another veteran guy. Phil Perry, Pat's Insider, NBC Sports Boston, with us here in the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, WDEVradio.com. Phil, the Patriots are taking on Dallas. Dallas was really embarrassed by Arizona last week in week three. How am I supposed to view this from the Cowboys? Am I supposed to view that loss as they were exposed and they're vulnerable and that's good for the Pats? Or am I supposed to look at it like they had their wake-up call and now they're extra focused and the Pats are getting them at their angriest and it's a bad time? (laughs) I think it's honestly, and I don't say this to sit on the fence and be annoying in that way, Brady. I would never want to do that to you. (laughs) But I do think it's a little bit of both. You're not going to get a a fallen-asleep Cowboys team. But I also don't think that that was necessarily their biggest issue against the Cardinals. I think they were exposed in a few different ways against Arizona, which we all regard as one of the least talented teams in the NFL. They were missing three of their offensive line starters. So number one, offensively for them, there are real concerns. And it starts there for me, along the offensive line. If you're without Tyron Smith, their starting left tackle. If you're without Tyler Biatish, their starting center. If you're without Zach Martin, who's one of the best guards in the game, that's going to be a problem against one of the best defenses in football, in my opinion, that the New England Patriots will be bringing to Dallas they also have issues in terms of play calling in my opinion and the quarterback's willingness to be the trigger man for an explosive offense he was very open Brady earlier this offseason about how he does not want to throw interceptions anymore Mm -hmm. which is a fine approach to have as a quarterback however when you're that tentative and you become one of the shortest throwing passers in football which he is right now he's 33rd out of 34 qualifiers He ranks only ahead of Anthony Richardson, the rookie in Indianapolis, in terms of how far on average his passes are traveling down the field. He has become a dink and dunk quarterback, like almost overnight, Mm. Brady, in order to limit the turnovers. That benefits the Patriots, too. I think it's made them easier to defend, and it certainly looked like it did for the Cardinals. They're also terrible in the red zone this year. Now, defensively, it's going to be a little bit tougher for the Patriots to expose some of the things the Cardinals did. They can do some misdirection. They have some speed offensively that the Patriots just don't have. But I do think the secondary is gettable without Trevon Diggs. Stephon Gilmore, 33 years old, not the player he once was, still fine and probably still starting caliber, but not a number one, not a true number one anymore. And then Deron Bland on the other side, the second-year player, fifth-round pick out of Fresno State last year, Brady. If they can't get open against these guys, that's a real problem. You should be able to win some one-on-one matchups. You should be able to limit points on the other side. This is going to be a close game. I won't be picking the Patriots to win, but I'll be picking them to cover for sure. Six and a half last I checked. Patriots did get some stuff going in the run game last week, which we had talked about last week being an issue. They ran it for 160 yards or whatever. Um, still only four yards to carry, a little less than four yards to carry. You'd like to see some more, um, you know, some more oomph there. But Zeke got going. They still need to get Ramondre Stevenson going. Phil, .2 yards on average after contact for Stevenson. He's all of a sudden very easy to get to the ground. What's going on? Yeah, it's not good. And he knows it. He understands that he should be breaking more tackles then he's broken to this point in the year. He was a top 10 running back in the NFL when it came to yards after contact 
just a year ago. And then we know how the year ended for him. He very clearly wore down and was pretty open about it himself. By the end of the season, he had a bad fumble against Cincinnati. He was obviously very much involved in that disaster at the end of the Raiders game out in Vegas. I think mentally and physically he wore down, and he kind of looks like the same guy he was at the end of last season, which is a concern. It should be a concern for the Patriots because part of the reason you bring in Ezekiel Elliott is to be able to take some of that workload off of Stevenson and get his best from snap to snap. Well, they've taken some of the workload off. It was almost a 50-50 split in terms of carries last week in New York, and you're still not getting the same guy that you saw early in 2022. So it's a concern. Again, this is an opportunity for him to show, no, I am still the same player. I can run through people. I can run over people. I am that kind of dynamic and powerful athlete that you remember from last year. Because this Dallas Cowboys defense this year, and really for a while, Brady has been able to be bullied. You know, they've tried to get bigger on the defensive line. They've tried to get better against the run. But that's sort of been their MO, which has been okay. They've still been able to win a lot of regular season games with the kind of defense that they've had because this league is built on the pass and they can get after the quarterback as well as any team in football. They lead the league in pressure rate right now with like a party. Mm. But you got to be able to stop the run against a team like the Patriots, against a team like last week in the Cardinals that ran for 180 in the first half alone. So that's something the Patriots should be trying to exploit. The question to me is, is Stevenson, does he still have the juice that we, we thought he did? to be able to take advantage of this matchup. You know, Phil, I'll get you out of here on this. Last week obviously was played in bad weather. The first two weeks of the season, not necessarily played in bad weather, but played outdoors, et cetera, and played, you know, in the elements. This week's going to be played in Dallas on the fast track. Is that going to unlock anything different in Bill O'Brien's offense and anything that can get the Patriots going, as you've pointed out a lot, down the field? It should, honestly, because I do think the weather was a factor last week in terms of their ability and their effectiveness going down the field. But again, this to me, their primary issue there is personnel. And the personnel ain't improving, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately for them. Unless, unless Brady, this game is such a wake-up call that even Bill Belichick would acknowledge, okay, we can't get open against Deron freaking Bland, the fifth rounder out of Fresno State last year. If, if you're struggling against this corner group, and again, we all respect Stephon Gilmore and what he did here in New England, and he, he deserves that respect. But he's not the same guy either. If you don't have anyone in your receiver room who can beat Gilmore or can beat Bland in the secondary when it's third and seven and it's got to have it sort of play, that's a problem. That's something that even Bill Belichick, I would think, would need to address. Now, how does he address it? Does he just start to play Pop Douglas more? He only played 16 snaps last week, even though, in my opinion, he's their most explosive receiver right now. Do they make sure that Tyquan Thornton, whenever he's healthy enough to play, he's a regular part of their offense because they just need more speed? Or does he go out and does he make a deal? Does he add to that room because they just don't have enough? Is somebody like Jerry Judy, is that enough of an upgrade in Denver for a bad team out there uh, with the Broncos that, that you would go and make a play for a guy like that and give up a real asset maybe in terms of the traffic to go and add to that room? Because, again, to me, you're indoors. The offensive line has started to come together a little bit better. No sacks against a great defensive front for the Jets last week. You're going up against a secondary that can be had. You've got to make plays down the field. They love to play man-to-man, the Cowboys do. They're going to give the Patriots one-on-ones on the outside, as all three Patriots opponents already this season have done, and at a pretty high rate. You're going to have those man-to-man situations, one-on-one on the outside. You've got to be able to beat it. If you can't, this might be the game where if I'm Bill Belichick, I look at it and say, okay, it's very clear to me now. This receiver room simply isn't enough. Phil, much appreciated. Enjoy the game. Safe travels. We'll catch up again in seven days. Thank you. 
Sounds good, Brady. Have a great weekend, bud. I will do just that. It'll be made better if the Patriots can beat the Dallas Cowboys, but we'll see what happens. Phil's not picking them to win. It is a tough matchup on paper. I am interested in the whole playing on a fast track thing. I, at the end of the day, you're just not explosive, right? Like At the end of the day, we know the Patriots are just not explosive. That said, this should be the most explosive that they're capable of being, right? As Phil says, it's a defense with a secondary with some holes in it. They don't have their big playmaker in Trevon Diggs, who's out for the year. And you are playing on as fast a surface as you can possibly play in. So anytime a team goes to Atlanta or goes to Detroit or goes to uh, Indianapolis, any place that's indoors, Minnesota, I like to think you have a chance to kind of be at your fastest, be at your quickest, be at the most explosive version of yourself. We will see if the Patriots can do that. As Phil says, like, this is a game where the Patriots should be able to get open. And I hadn't really realized about Dak becoming so conservative. You know the Cowboys are the only team in the NFL that does not have a touchdown from a wide receiver. We're through three weeks, four weeks for, you know, for, for two teams. And the Cowboys are the only team without a touchdown from their wide receivers. Dak is risk-averse right now. If the Patriots can, you know, can, can jam wide receivers and can get some pressure, they're not going to be a lot of outlets for Dak because evidently we're not worried about him beating us over the top. So the Cowboys have more talent. But when you factor in the injuries with Dak's risk aversion, then I don't know. I don't know how this is going to go. My gut tells me that Dallas wins this game because Dallas is better. I've seen the Patriots win this kind of game for 20 years, and I'm still having a hard time, despite the fact that I told you that I would stop picking them to win games just based on reputation. I'm still having a hard time picking against them in a situation where I know the other team is vulnerable. These are not the Patriots of old. They don't easily capitalize on a team's vulnerability, but they did for a long time. My gut tells me the Cowboys are better. My other, my gut tells me the Patriots have a chance to win this game, but my gut tells me to stop picking the Patriots to win games like this because they haven't won them recently. They haven't won them in the last several years. So I'm going to go with Dallas. I'm going to say a low-scoring game. I'm going to say t- lower scoring. I'm going to say 24-21, and I hope I'm wrong come Monday. I hope when we unpack the Patriots on Monday, I hope that I'm wrong. Okay, I hope that I'm wrong, but I don't know. 24-21 Dallas is my prediction. And as for the stuff with Colin, if that's what this is, where Phil says, uh, you know, this report is about Max likability, Max, um, you know, how he relates to his teammates or Max attitude, that's not new. We've been talking about that. So if Colin's making that seem like a new issue, then shame on him because that's not a new issue. As Phil said, we've talked about this. This is not related to one singular incident. This is not because of Sauce Gardner. This is not because of Brian Burns. This is just because, like, this is something that's already known in Patriot circles, in our circles here in New England. Uh, we will not have the Patriots game on Sunday. We will have Red Sox baseball coming up on Sunday. 310 is the first pitch in that game. That's the final regular season game of the year. Then we'll have the Milk Bowl from Thunder Road on after. Our own Nick Mumley is on the call of that one. Greg Titus has been with him all year as well. Nick will be with us on Monday to break it all down. So Monday will be a Patriot show. And Nick talking Thunder Road, talking about the Milk Bowl. Some of the legends, right? Phil Scott and uh, Gene Paul Sear and Robbie Crouch. I mean, there's you know the legends have been made in the Milk Bowl. The legends have been made at Thunder Road. Danny? For the final time, let's get the Red Sox lineup music, please. 
Red Sox 76 and 83. The Orioles 159. 100 wins for the O's. Nick Pavetta pitches for Boston. John Means, the lefty, goes for Baltimore. Remember, Means was the ace of the staff when the O's were really bad. Had Tommy John surgery last April. We hadn't seen him until September. Out 18 months. He's back now. Looks pretty good. Pavetta's 9-9 with a 4-2-5. Means is 1-1 with a 2-6-0. Sedan Raffaella leads off. He's in center field for Boston. Rafi Devers in third. Justin Turner's the DH. Adam Duvall is in right. Rob Refsnyder plays today in left. Trevor Story is at shortstop. Pablo Reyes is at second. Bobby Dahlbeck's at first. And Connor Wong is the catcher. And he bats ninth. Orioles resting some people in this game. Now that they've clinched the division and 100 wins. Cedric Mullins is in center. Ryan Mountcastle's at first. Ryan O'Hearn is the DH. Former Royal, now good. Austin Hayes is in left. The rookie Heston Kierstad is in right. The other rookie Jordan Westberg is at third. Adam Frazier is it second? James McCann is the catcher, and Jorge Mateo is the shortstop, and he bats ninth. Monday kicks off our, again, full shows, all 90 minutes. We'll be on from 5.30 until 7. We will unpack the Patriots. We'll talk Milk Bowl with Nick Mumley. Thanks to all of you. Thanks to Danny, CBS News Update, and then Red Sox Baseball. For the final time, we send it to Red Sox Baseball. When we come in Monday, the season will be over. And how disappointing that is. Freddie Farkas Show back on our podcast channel, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and WDEVradio.com. Go Sox, go Pats. See you Monday.